Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Your first 10,000 photographs are your worst. And that's a quote by my favorite photographer, Henri Cartier-Bresson. And it's funny because just two days ago, I was looking through a bin of photographs and negatives that were black and whites from my early years. And certainly if there were 10,000 in there, there were maybe five (laughs) that were, you know, wall worthy. This was mostly before I was selling my work. So anyway, it's funny. I picked that quote and then remembered, oh, yeah. There were a lot that were my worst back. You know, they were fine, but they were, um, I'm much better now after 40 years Mm -hmm. in the business. So before I welcome our guest today, I want to remind you that I do business coaching and you can go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I. I changed it to an I when I was 12 because a why did not seem to fit me. And I didn't know I was going to grow up to be an artsy kind of girl. But uh, anyway, Lucy with an eye. So I'm excited to have Emily Supio. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Frenchie, Frenchie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's spelled like Supio, but it's Supio. No, that's the worst French accent in the world. <laughs> um, Emily is a mom of four. She's a portrait photographer in Phoenix. She's also an educator and a podcaster. Cozy Clicks is her podcast, so you might want to check that out. And she believes that learning does not need to be technical or confusing. So we're going to learn today with Miss Emily. <laughs> so welcome, Emily. Thank you for being on my show. Well, thank you, Lucy. Um, Thank you so much for having me on your show. And everyone that's listening, thank you for tuning in today and learning and wanting to know a little more about photography. So I appreciate you, Lucy, and I appreciate everyone that is listening right now. Thank you. So Emily's focus is on teaching people to be better photographers, to understand their equipment. So it's a little bit different, which is great from a lot of my guests that are all about helping us get the money, run the business part. So even people that have been in this industry 40 years need to keep learning and growing and uh, refreshing what we do know. So I think it's just great that you're you're out there in the world saying, hey, you got to learn photography. <laughs> so. Well, you know what, Lucy, when you said that, I th- I see a lot of newer photographers that kind of skip several steps before they get into business. Like there's a lot of people that get really excited about, you know, making that money, making side money, making, you know, starting this full-time business, but they haven't really learned how to use their camera yet. They don't understand how to take a good picture. They can't get pictures that are always in focus, or they don't understand composition or lighting, but they're very eager. They're creative people and they're very eager to dive right into the business side. 
And then they wonder, you know, why aren't I finding clients? You know, why isn't this working out for me? Why aren't I making the money that I keep seeing all over the place online that people are promising you can make with photography? And it's just that you've got to like reel it in a little bit and just take things back to the basics and think, well, are are you confident enough to go find clients if you don't always have consistent work, you know, if your style isn't there, if you're not confident behind the camera. And it really, before you can be that business person, before you can make that side money, you've got to know how to use your camera and how to take a great picture. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Uh, I have pondered, you know, there's always someone asking the question, what makes someone a professional photographer? And people are like, well, if you ever get paid, or if you just decide you are, or if you have a business card, or, you know, you have to jump through all these hoops first. And for me, the core is, if you say yes to an assignment, you're fully capable of executing that in a way that the client will be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And something I also see, I imagine you do as well, is people having equipment that is not really at the professional level. Like I'm not saying we all have to have full frame cameras, but also having backups so that if you're at a wedding, you know, things are going to break. So do you have thoughts on that? I do, Lucy. And what I'm going to say is probably a little different from your thoughts based on what you just said. Now, what I tell a lot of my students and what I tell a lot of my audience and, you know, people that get onto my blog or listen to my podcast is that your equipment isn't, doesn't matter quite as much as you think it does. And maybe we differ a little bit because our audience might be a little bit different, but when you're first starting out, a lot of photographers think that they need to go, you know, buy the full frame camera or buy the newest model out there or buy the most expensive camera or have this wide array of lenses to take a professional looking picture or to take a gorgeous picture. And in the beginning, I think a lot of times that overwhelms people that overwhelms, Mm. you know, these moms who at first they want to take great pictures of their kids. And that's how they're starting out. But they're following these photographers that are saying, well, you need the this new mirrorless camera that's out there, or you need this um, lens that costs $5,000. And that's how you're going to take these great looking pictures. And that's not true. Again, it goes back to if you understand the camera that you have, And for me, the camera that I really started learning with was a borrowed DSLR. It was a Canon Rebel that at the time wasn't even the newest model. I tell people it was um, the XSI was the one I was playing around with. They don't make that anymore. I don't think they made it when I started using it anymore. (laughs) Like it was that old. Yeah. But you, you take what you have and you learn and you understand and you can take professional looking pictures. Like maybe you're not a, you know, $20,000 wedding photographer that's using this Canon Rebel with no backup and no, you know, you're not to that point yet. And once you get to that point, yes, you want to have the backup and the gear and, and, you know, all those things. But when you're first starting out as a photographer, don't overwhelm yourself with all Mm. of this gear. You don't need to have, you know, two backup cameras to consider yourself professional, if you understand the gear that you have and you're confident and and comfortable with the gear that you have, you can start out and maybe it's starting again, 
you're not taking on those $20,000 clients. Mm -hmm. You're starting out a little smaller where you feel comfortable with the gear that you have. But I don't always think that photographers have to jump into getting everything, spending all of their money on cameras and lenses and equipment. Just start with what you have, learn those basics, and then and then go from there and then take it from there. Yes. So actually, we are not looking at this differently, uh, just to clarify. <laughs> okay. I, I have, in my career, I've seen so many men start businesses and go out of business because they bought the, all the latest toys and all the things. Now, what I've heard is that uh, a lot of women are going broke because they think they have to have all the props and a a client wardrobe and and spend twenty thousand dollars a year on fabrics and baskets and things. So I totally agree to stay budget conscious. Like I don't buy new equipment unless I know either it's just going to be so dang fun and I need fun, or it's going to make me money right away. What I meant was having equipment that is good enough. Now, the one thing I would say is having one lens that's not the kit lens that comes with the camera, because I find a lot of on those Facebook groups where people are like, why are my images not sharp? That then it's like, well, what's the lens? Well, I'm using that 18 to 70 that came with the camera. So that's an investment that's well worth it to me. And having some kind of backup because things are going to break. And now maybe doing your photographing a four-year-old and the camera breaks and you can get that four-year-old back. Not such a big deal, but if you're doing a wedding or a newborn, um, you know, it's it's good to have something you can pull out. <laughs> Although these days, and actually, Emily, I, I still get wedding dreams. I haven't done uh, weddings regularly for a long, long time. I did them full-time for 12 years. And in my dreams, my camera breaks. And there are people at the wedding that have way more expensive high-end equipment and I just borrow somebody's so these days you can actually do that in a pinch <laughs> it's like if I promise you you know a wall portrait or a 20 prints can I use your camera because mine died so anyway so I totally agree with you and especially yeah those like everybody doesn't need in my opinion the 70 to 200 2.8 uh, what is that? Two, three, four thousand dollars, something like that. And yeah. everything keeps increasing. And I do like what you said about um, moving up from the kit lens. And a lot of uh, a lot of my students, a lot of the newer photographers that you know DM me or email me and and ask about focus because focus seems to be such a big issue with a lot of newer photographers. Um, I ask what their lens is and it, and it is the kit lens will only take you so far. And then once you get to that point where you're like, oh, my, my images aren't as sharp. Why aren't they looking this way? I'm doing everything right. I always recommend that nifty 50, the 50 millimeter 1.8. I think mm -hmm. you get the, you know, the, the biggest, 
bang for your buck. It's still not going to break your, you know, break your bank, but you're going to start seeing instant results with that lens right there. So that that's a good one to have. Also with what you were saying, definitely. Um, and I've, I only shot a few weddings. Weddings were not really for me. My portrait business is just that it's mostly portraits. I work with families, high school seniors, kids. So weddings were not my thing, but I know the importance of a backup camera if you are shooting a wedding or an event where it's like, oh, like this is it. This is your shot. This is, you know, so if that's the avenue that someone is going, definitely invest in that. But again, going back to that person, that mom that's just looking for that side hustle right now or trying to build up their portfolio or just moving from that stage where they're they're they built their portfolio and now they're taking on some clients. Um, don't, I, I don't feel like they need that in, again to run out and they don't have to have the backup and the backup backup and the, the 10 lenses that they're carrying. No, with them. no, yeah. just something, even just a $250 used, um, rebel that exactly can grab with a pop-up flash. Although, you know, FYI using a pop-up flash, it's pretty useless uh, <laughs> in yeah. general, it is deceiving, but anyway, yeah, there's good used cameras that can just give you that peace of mind. Cause for me, that's the other thing is the anxiety of what if something happens, how, how unprofessional do I look not <laughs> being like, Oh, that's cool. Here, let me grab this other thing. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? A great fix to that is, just using your older camera as right. the backup, you know, so you don't have to go buy two cameras. Just no. when you start graduating toward to the next camera that you want, your older one, it's not like you have to, you know, chuck it in the trash, just keep it in your bag. And that's kind of like your, your insurance policy, you know, exactly. it's your safekeeping back there. So yeah. you don't have to go out right away and get, you know, two cameras, just no. use the bag, just use your yeah, old I one. Agree. Yeah. It's like insurance, a friend of mine, was saying, I was thinking of getting uh, long-term care insurance, but what if I don't use it? What if I don't need it? It's expensive. I'm like, you buy insurance for the peace of mind. And if you need it, phew. But if you don't, that's even better. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's see. I was wondering uh, where we were going to go with our conversation because your foundational reach out on your podcast is, if I have this right, is helping moms take better photographs of their families. So why did you pick that as a, a niche and as the foundation of your podcast? I chose that because that's me. You know, that's who I am. That's who I know the most is that audience. Mm. I was a teacher. I was a preschool special ed teacher for uh, a long time. I was a kindergarten teacher. I was a college <laughs> professor at night. So I was a teacher. And then I started having kids, a lot of kids, right? I have four kids. A lot. <laughs> so I was a teacher. I was having kids. I have always been this creative person. I wanted to capture, you know, my kids when they were little, like a lot of moms do. And I realized that a lot of moms get these fancy DSLR cameras wanting to take better pictures of their kids. And then they realize how fun it is, right? Like photography is so fun and it evolves into 
so many opportunities, just like you know, because you teach a lot of business to people and how to, you know, turn it into something even more. And so back in the day when I was just playing around with my camera, my I just had this idea that once I had this DSLR that I borrowed from my dad, that my pictures of my kids were going to, you know, all look great. They mm-hmm. didn't. And I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of errors. I wasted a lot of time. Um, but once things clicked, once I really got it, I saw the potential and I saw what I could do with photography and how I could create a business and how I could make not just 50 bucks on the weekend here or there, but how I could turn it into something that was a full-time income that totally replaced my teaching job that could support my family that could, you know, provide me this creative outlet, but still provide, you know, provide income for my Mm -hmm. family too. So as I created that, and as I was, was doing that, I kind of went back to my teaching roots too, and realized like, I want to help those moms that are out there feeling the same way that I did back in the day when I first started having kids and I was just kind of lost and clueless and taking pictures that were like half blurry and kind of help put them on the path with the this foundational learning right in the beginning so that they didn't make the same mistakes that I did and mm-hmm. so that they felt confident with the camera so that they took pictures that they were proud of posting on Instagram and sending out in their holiday cards and emailing and you know putting all over their walls so my audience is really a lot like me and I just want to to help guide them in the right direction. And I think it all starts with that that foundation again and just mm-hmm. understanding the camera and realizing that when you do that, there are so many more cool opportunities than you even realize that are out there. Right, right. So I can hear some of my friends if they're listening. Hello. <laughs> Having like some fears like if the moms know how to be a better photographer, then how are people going to make a living in photography? And, you know, it's no, we don't want them to know all the secrets because then they will undervalue us. And I, I don't think that. But what do you have to say to people that might have that concern that are professional photographers about teaching moms how to be better photographers well everybody is on a different journey everybody has different goals those clients that these moms are getting or these people that maybe they're just using to build their portfolio or use for practice or use for a creative outlet those aren't the people that these professionals that have been at it 10 20 years they're not the people that they're looking for for their business right so everybody is on a different path and everybody has to start as a beginner Mm-hmm. And just because a mom wants to take great pictures of their kids, just because a mom wants to learn a professional camera, doesn't mean that they're going to run out and start pulling your clients from behind your nose when you're taking pictures <laughs> of them and say, oh, I'll do it for half the price. Mm-hmm. No, they're not going to do that. Like, I think we have to start as a photography community. And I think that photographers that have been in the business for a while understand that we're a community. It's not a competition. And everybody has, you know, a different way of doing business. Everyone has a different way of shooting. Everyone has a different 
type of client that they connect with um, and that they align with. And that's totally okay. And if we all just, you know, concentrate on our own journey and our own Mm. goals and our own path, then that's where we're going to see the most success. So for that mom, that her path right now is just to learn the camera and she's got goals that maybe she wants to start a photography business. And you know what? Hey, maybe she's only charging 25 bucks, but she hasn't been doing it for 10 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just starting. So that's not someone for, for you know, that's not competition to the 10, 20 year veteran photographer right now. So there's no comparison. We're just, we're a community and we should uplift each other. We should help each other. And that's how we all grow. And that's how our community grows too. I love that. I just had a picture of somebody with a lemonade stand and, and a, a restaurant that charges, you know, $6 for a glass of lemonade, worrying about you know, the seven-year-old with the the lemonade stand. I love what you said about we're a community. The rising tide floats all boats. I'm thinking about like one of my friends, Bruce Hudson. If you haven't hooked into his book called Relationography, he markets, one of his most powerful ways he markets is he has a pop-up on his website that says, Click here for seven tips on how to be a better photographer or how to take better pictures of your kids. And so people take that, they get into his emails, immediately they get an invitation to come to his studio on a Saturday, I think it's like once a month for a small class. And he gets so many of his clients who come to his studio, see the magnificent work he does, meet him trust him, like him, and hire him because they know they're not going to be able to do what he does. So he's directly marketing to your core audience. And um, yeah, that. so whenever I think like, oh no, I think like, no, he does that all the time and it works for him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you for that. Okay, so I have a, couple of questions that I'd like to see if you have some hot tips or some actual education, because we've been talking about education. And I'd love to get into some nitty gritty because everybody can learn. And I agree with you, I have been a little bit surprised at some of my coaching clients or some of uh, people that I meet in the professional community who really have gaps in their understanding of how a camera works, how lighting works, composition, all of that. So let's start with the camera. So can you give us three or four basic tips or foundational things to know that can help somebody listening right now be like, oh, now I understand my camera a little better. Well, let, there are so many things we could talk about with the camera, uh, right? No, let's get way down to basics. And you know what? Let's start there with what I just said, that there are so many things to know. And I think a big mistake a lot of people make is thinking that they have to learn every single thing on their camera. Like it's very overwhelming. If you take a look at the camera 
and you start turning all those dials and they all do different things. And then something on the you know, screen, a new menu pops up and a new menu pops up. And there's another button down here and another button down here. And a lot of people think that they need to understand it all or learn it all before, you know, they can take a great picture or they can call themselves a professional photographer. And it's not true. You gotta, you really keep learning very simple with your camera. Like there are certain things on the camera that it's important to know to kind of take you to that next level and get those professional looking shots that you're hoping for. And so the first thing I would recommend someone do is really just get into manual mode, really understand that because a lot of times people will get the camera and think that that's all that they need to take a great picture and they stay on automatic and then they Mm -hmm. wonder like, oh, why is, you know, why are my pictures not looking great? Well, you need to have more creative control because your pictures are going to look great once you take the vision that's in your head and get that camera to do what you want it to do. And when you learn and understand the different pieces of manual mode, what it is that they do, how they interact with each other, and how they can make your vision come to life, that's when you're going to see big results with the way your pictures look. Mm -hmm. That's when you're going to see your pictures start to look more professional. That's when you're going to feel that confidence with your camera. So my first tip would be to ignore all of the the buttons, all of the other things, trying to learn it all, trying to, you know, get in Google and seeing one term and then taking you down a rabbit hole to another article and another article and another article. Just work on manual mode at first and really understanding and narrowing that down. And then the next tip that I have with the camera, and this is really the camera and yourself as a photographer, is be really intentional about learning. Be really intentional about what you're shooting. So there's a lot of us, and I did this, maybe Lucy, you did this in the beginning too, but I see a really common strategy from a lot of newer photographers as they get the camera. Maybe they've understand manual mode or they understand a few of the, you know, a few of the different settings and they set, you know, they set up their, their shot and then they're so nervous <laughs> that they just push the button a hundred times, hold their breath. And then later on, they go back and they just, their strategy is that they hope one of them came out good and in focus. Mm-hmm. Instead of just slowing things down and being intentional, really taking a look at the shot, really taking a look at the settings, look at your subject, look at how they're looking, like pull back and really look at how the light is hitting them. Look at the background, see if there are, you know, things in the background of your shot that could easily just be removed. You know, is there trash? Is there a water bottle? Is there a chair in the background that you don't want to see in the background or like a bright pink and blue toy that's sitting in the background that if you just push that out of the frame, like it would have made your picture. Right. And it's so much easier to do that than have to retouch it up. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So if you, a lot of times I think, you know, moms are newer photographers, um, they get the camera and like I said, they just snap, 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 snap away, hoping one will come out. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe that happens. Once in a while, you will get that money shot. But when you slow things down, you're actually going to speed up your process Mm. because you're intentional about things. You're 
intentional about the settings that you're choosing on the camera. You're intentional about the light and how your subject looks. You're intentional about the background. You're intentional about where you're standing. So when you take a step back and you just slow things down, you don't have to take a hundred shots all in a row and just hope that it's going to be right. You Mm -hmm. can take a couple and you know with confidence that you are going to take a great shot because you've actually thought it out. Mm -hmm. You know, you have some strategy, you have some intention behind what it is that you're doing. So that is my, my next biggest tip for those people that are listening. And I think that will resonate with even people who have been, you know, photographing for a long time is that sometimes we just get in these, these habits of, you know, just kind of setting our camera and doing it and shooting and and shooting instead of just kind of pulling it back again and saying, okay, no, what do I really want for this shot? What do I want it to really look Mm -hmm. like? And when you do that, that's where a lot of the magic happens. Yeah. When I took a class a long time ago, and by the way, one of the great ways to fast track becoming a professional or growing is through these week-long schools that uh, the Professional Photographers of America does. And you have one teacher and one class for a week. Um, There's a San Diego version. There's Texas. There's... Uh, I'm sure there's one in the Northeast and the Northwest. And the teacher, I can remember being at the Santa Barbara Mission in California, and he looked through my lens and he said, I see that you are seeing something wonderful, but there's too much else in there. So, how can you simplify it to tell the story that you want? And that you know, it's over and over again for even now will be like, what am I really seeing that I want to capture? And how can I eliminate all the parts I don't? And the advantage to having been a film photographer is we knew that every time you click the shutter, Emily, it's a dollar. And so, and working on a tripod always uh, helps me see, you know, what you're saying. I love what you're saying about look, think, slow down. When I use a tripod, then I can really evaluate before I click all those little things. Even if I'm not looking through the lens, I'm looking. All right. So we're learning the basics. We're slowing down, being intentional, looking. And do you have another hot tip for us? Well, going back to that being intentional, if I want to dig a little deeper into that and give you guys some more tips, let's talk about light for a minute. And I work with almost exclusively natural light. Sometimes I pull out my speed light, but you know, natural light is what I work with a lot. And I, again, tell my students to really look and be intentional with the light because that is a big key. But What I want you to do, and because anyone can do this, because initially when I say that, people are like, okay, I'm looking, you know, I see it, but you know, what am I looking for Mm -hmm. when I'm looking at the light? Like, what does that mean, really? And a really easy way to really understand what that means is to look at yourself. And because we look at ourselves in different light all the time, Mm -hmm. and we know 
and this is especially true because I talk to a lot of moms. So, and a lot of women, I think, I'm sure men do this too, but I think a lot of women pay closer attention to the way that they look um, overall. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying in general, but we know the lighting where we look good. We know the mirrors that we look in where we're like, oh, I look good here. Or we know the different light in our house where when we turn on the light in that room, that light bulb just hits us a little warmer or we just look a little Mm -hmm. younger in that light. Mm -hmm. So we know that, but it's just something that kind of goes through our brain. Like we're not saying like, well, why, why does that light make me look good? Where is it, you know, is it coming from the side? Is it hitting me from above? Is it hitting me from both sides? Is it a big ring light that's hitting me? That's making Mm -hmm. me look great. Sorry to interrupt, but bathroom lights are often like, can I just carry this around? Because they'll have the the big like a ring light but usually rectangle um and we always look so great then you go outside and catch yourself in something with not the greatest light and you're like whoa (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly so we see it daily we've seen it through our whole lives we've been looking and assessing the way light looks on a subject on ourselves and we know what looks good and what doesn't look good so when people are learning the camera and trying to understand lighting and how it looks on your subject how it looks on other people you've got to start again being intentional mm-hmm. looking at you so the next time you look at yourself in a mirror and you're like hey i look really good in this mirror take a look around and be like why why am I looking good in this mirror? What? How are the lights looking and why is it making me look good? And exactly the reverse too. When you catch yourself in a reflection or something and you're like, whoa, why do I have such dark circles under my eyes? Like yeah. I didn't look this way in my good mirror. Mm-hmm. You got to think like, oh, well, maybe the lights are coming up from above you or maybe like be intentional. Like why, where is the light hitting me? And why am I looking, you know, unflattering with that light? It's the same exact thing when you're taking a picture of your subject. Okay. So another thing you can do is just take your phone, take a selfie of yourself, because I think a lot of us have done this before. You know, you take, you take your phone and you look into it and you get ready to take your selfie and you're like, um, okay, I, lo- I don't look good here. So you turn around and you're like, oh yeah, I look better this way. Mm-hmm. Like why? Like yeah. think of that. Like why did you turn your body? What is it about the light that's making you look better when you turn this way? Right. You've got to think, you've got to be intentional about that. So yes. next time you're taking a selfie, say, okay, you know what? This direction, I looked really good. Is that because the window is, you know, straight on and, you know, it's lighting up my face mm-hmm. and looking really smooth? Well, it's going to do the same thing if you position your subject for a picture that way. Right. So you've just got to start kind of training your brain to think like, why do we like certain ways that the light hits us? Right. And I'm only bringing it up as an example of yourself because you look at yourself a lot during the day. It's just naturally happening all the time. Right. It's naturally been happening throughout your whole life. You're just not thinking about it. You're not right. realizing it. And once you can start catching that and start, you know, understanding and looking at the light based on you, it's going to help you when you start taking pictures of yeah. other people. Yes. So I'm like you. I mostly do natural light. But I know how to go to a scene and evaluate where's the good light, where's the not good light. 
uh, for me, I look at catch lights in the eyes mm-hmm. primarily. If I'm confused, like, am I on track? And I, I like them to be at 10 o'clock or two o'clock if our eyes are a clock, because that tends to flatter. But one, one of the exercises I'll give my coaching clients, if we're working on a, on a little unit about improving and understanding natural light is an assignment I call, where would Lucy sit? And either they are going to do it with themselves or they get a subject and they imagine they're at a dinner table and they take, and they have a big window that's, that's lighting uh, the subject. Well, not, not too bright, you know, good distance and photograph the subject as if their back is to the window. So like it's a table for eight, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So each position uh, all the way around for eight people. And the reason it's the where would Lucy sit is because if I'm on a date, let's say on a date and I'm going into a restaurant or even just some really cute guy that I happen to be having lunch with or dinner with, well, lunch, because there'll be more outdoor lighting. I look at it and I will sit with my face facing the window because I know I'll look my best. But Emily, if you and I went to lunch, I would try to negotiate so my back was to the window so that I could enjoy your beauty more selfishly. (laughs) (laughs) Or in a pinch, if it's another photographer that knows the trick, we'll both sit sideways. Um, And once you, I don't know if this is true for you, but once you see in this way, it will almost drive you crazy because you can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. And as a person's talking, you'll be like, oh, that's Rembrandt light. Oh, that's short light. Oh, that, oh, they look best on this angle. And so it's a happy problem. <laughs> yes, yes. So as you guys become more aware of the light, yes, it becomes that happy problem because you can't turn it off then. You'll just start to always see it mm-hmm. everywhere. What looks, what looks the best, yeah. how? So yeah. yeah, if I'm watching uh, somebody giving a lecture, walking back and forth, I'm always like, oh, now that pole's above his head. Oh, good. Now he's hiding the flowers. Oh, that light is bad. Oh, there he looks great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a good problem. So any other strong tips? I love the learn the basics, be intentional, discover light. And I'm sure you would agree once we understand light, then we can take that if we're doing studio light, it's the same principle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So is there a number four in the like foundational thoughts that you have? Lucy, I have so many tips and thoughts that flow through my head. I'm just trying to think of what would connect the best with your audience. We could sit here all day and chat tips, all right? All day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> composition. Let me see. With composition, uh, okay, let's talk about composition because this is an easy one. This is something that you can really work on even if you don't have you know, your fancy camera yet. Even if you don't have a DSLR camera, a mirrorless camera, you don't have a you know super expensive camera, it's composition is something you can work on all the time. And I think I kind of had the edge up on this because when I was actually when I was in middle school, high school, and a little bit in college, I was an artist, like I was a painter, and I loved to, to paint 
people. Mm. Um, so that was my thing. I even uh, at one point I thought maybe I would go to art school and, but, it, but then my dreams or my, my feelings of the starving artist kind of took over, but I spent a lot of time in the art classes learning about composition and learning about how to create and uh, how to create a painting that would look the best with the best composition. And it's the same thing with photography is that it's like, you know, it's kind of like that painting where you have to take one single frame and you have to make it look, you know, the most pleasing to the eye that you can. And one thing that I can say with composition, when you have the camera is that and this, like I said, it doesn't have to be an expensive camera. You can work on this with your phone if all you have is a phone. One thing that you can do is you just move yourself. Mm. So you don't have to, you know, set up these fancy setups. You don't have to have all of these, you know, cool props or things or, you know, whatever it is in the background. Look at the composition and you move your own body. So look at what it is that you want to take a picture of, maybe get down a little bit lower and see how that looks through the, the frame of your camera mm. or your phone, get up a little higher. So maybe stand on a chair or stand on a table or a rock or whatever is around, you know, lay flat down on your stomach. If you want to move to the side, get a different perspective mm. that way, move to the other side, you know, Anything that you can do to move yourself will give you a different composition and will make your photo look more interesting, more fun. Mm -hmm. um, it will give it that magic, give it that pop that you're looking for. So you don't have to go out with composition and get all fancy and put all these, you know, things in your photo to make it look great. You just take a picture of what you want to take a picture of. And for, and for me, with a lot of my students, that's their their kids or their grandkids. So you, yeah. you put your child where you want them to be and then you just move around them. You let them mm -hmm. do their thing and you go in all different directions and you try to, to get this great composition and you're going to start to find that there's different positions you put yourself in that you tend to gravitate toward more because it just fits with your style or it mm -hmm. works more it look or it looks better with <laughs> or like in my case getting flat on the ground at this point in my life and then getting up from that is not going to be too graceful <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's not the perspective you maybe your right. composition wouldn't look up that way but you learn you know yeah by moving your body around not your subject, but by oh, moving yeah. you around, you're going to get some different compositions with your photo and it's going to help you, you know, find that style, find mm -hmm. that consistency with your work, find that those compositions that you really enjoy to shoot. Right. Another hot tip that's like the other side of that. Um, a lot of times what I see is people putting their subject right in the middle, horizontal. And there's all the space on the left and the right side that says nothing, has no interest. And if you uh, want to do an exercise, take an image like that and see how many ways you can crop it and how it changes the feeling. And when I'm working with clients, um, Emily, I do a projection so people can see actual size of how the wall portraits are going to look. And I have boards that are square, that are panorama, that are traditional rectangles in vertical and horizontal. 
And before we decide exactly how an image is going to be printed, I'll hold up. Okay, what do you think of it square? What do you think of it uh, where you guys are away to the right and it's a tall or it's a wide skinny panorama? What about tall and vertical? So that is the moving our cropping where you don't even have to lay on the ground. <laughs> but laying on the ground is, is good. And I think that is one of the reasons I actually, as soon as I got a good camera, my images were, I would say, you know, don't base this on what I just said about the images I looked at <laughs> on Sunday. But they were pretty darn good considering I had no professional experience or training because I'd been doing design and layout and things don't have to be the four by six format. You can do anything. So that's another hot tip for composition. And then I was also thinking about there's movies that I know I'll watch them and I'll think, Oh my gosh, the composition, every shot is amazing. And Sometimes I'll give people an assignment to watch a movie with their camera and take pictures and compose and put them in different places. Look for those moments when the light falls beautifully or the expression is great. So um, lots of ways to grow the synapses in our brains, because that's what happens as we learn is we get new neural pathways. Love that word. Um, and that's why you and I, Emily, see light all the time because we have this little uh room in our brain that has now become like a whole palace around light and and the ability to see. So, thoughts on that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I think, I mean. Yeah, you're definitely right, Lucy. I think just like I said before, like you can't turn off what I'm seeing in my brain with the the light everywhere. It's just, it becomes part of you. It just becomes just your life and how, yeah, just how you see life, I guess, through your eyes after a while. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I guess just another plus of being a photographer. that is You just see, you just see things different. Yeah. And also like, with Photoshop, I was sort of the last person in California, you know, in my professional gang to switch. And I would sit in on Photoshop lessons at conventions and things and be totally lost. But I knew I needed to keep sitting in there and letting those little, you know, starts with a bunny trail, then it starts with a path and then it's a big enough for a carriage to go by it. And then they pave it. And then there's, and then all of a sudden, boom, Photoshop is easy for me. So, I mean, I love that you are so focused and committed to helping people learn. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed with our technology. Mm-hmm. You know, I really honor you for um, being dedicated to helping people with that. Well, thank you, Lucy. So any other hot tips? Yes. And I think this is actually the most important one. And maybe it's not a technical, maybe it's not a learning your camera type tip. But I think one of the most important things you need to do as a photographer that is brand new, as a photographer that has been shooting for a year, for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, you have to just look at 
you and your work and not compare yourself to anyone else that's out there. Don't compare your work to the photographer that is on a different journey than you or going on a different path than you, because that is just a recipe for bringing you down, Mm -hmm. making you feel like you're not good enough as a photographer, making you feel like you don't get it or understand it. So just remember that your journey is personal to you. Mm. Only compare yourself to you and the photographer that you were yesterday or last year or 10 years ago. And don't ever get caught in that trap of comparing yourself to, you know, your favorite photographers on Instagram or Pinterest Mm -hmm. or wherever you hang out. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've got this, you can do it. Just remember that it is your journey and you are in the exact place that you should be. Right. I've always loved this saying once I first heard it, which is, I don't know when, comparison is the thief of joy. So I love that you absolutely say that. Um, What do you think the difference is between being inspired by someone else or being like brought down and feeling like a loser and you don't know anything and you're (laughs) going to quit and sell your cameras? Like, how can we enjoy and be inspired by others work without it impacting us in a negative way? It's the feeling, right? It's the feeling that you have. So if you Again, going back to, I guess I'm a very intentional person. I live my life with a lot of intention. But going back to when you're looking at work, be very intentional about your feelings. Is the work really inspiring you? Is it making you feel like you want to get out there and practice more and try new things and Mm. work on your journey? Or is it making you feel jealous and envious and bad about yourself? If that's the feelings you're feeling and you can sit back and, you know, be intentional and be and and say, okay, I'm not feeling good about this. This is not inspiring me. Well, maybe unfollow that person. You know, you don't (laughs) have to, you don't have to put this work in front of your face that's making you feel bad or making you feel like you're not moving forward with your work. And maybe the per, you know, maybe the person does take beautiful images, but if the feeling you're having isn't a good feeling, if it's not inspiring, don't put it in front of your face all the time. Mm -hmm. Put these images in front of your face that really do inspire you, that make you want to be a better photographer, that make you want to get out there and practice, that make you want to see the change in your photography skills. So you've just, again, need to be very intentional about the way that you're feeling and catch yourself. So if you're feeling a little envious, if you're feeling a little jealous, if you're feeling a little bad, whatever you're doing at that time, stop it. Stop it. it. Maybe you don't unfollow the person, but you're, if you start getting in that pattern, maybe you realize it and are like, whoa, I'm feeling not good. I'm feeling not inspired. Time to get off Instagram for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let me go do something else for a little while. Right. So you're catching yourself instead of going down that rabbit hole and then spending 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour goes by and you've just gotten into this cycle where you're going down lower and lower and lower. That's not inspiration. That's not looking at people's work and feeling good about yourself. Right. Now, on the other hand, if you know you're looking at work and you're like, yes, I could do that. Yes, that's something I want to try. Yes, I love what they did there. I'm going to do that next time. Yes, they, you know their their colors there are so beautiful, and I know a wall downtown in my city that is similar to that. I'm going to try that this weekend. You know, if you catch yourself picture after picture and you feel good, 
then that's good. Keep that momentum rolling because again, that's how you're going to get better as a photographer. Right, right. And um, something that I do a lot is I look at other art that's not photography Mm -hmm. for a lot of inspiration. If I'm on vacation, I go to galleries. I, um, when I saw Picasso's Guernica was in Spain and it's huge. And I burst into tears and I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know, you know, why those horses were screaming. You know, later I've studied the painting, but that kind of image inspires me and I'm never going to do what he does or copy that. But again, it's growing our, our visual brain and it's giving us ideas. Oh, so (laughs) You know, we're going to have to wrap up, but I love talking to you, Emily. So do you know who John Singer Sargent is? I do not. All right. I would recommend you this week, you explore John Singer Sargent. He, to me, is one of the finest portrait artists that has ever lived, painter. And he's he's my favorite, favorite um, painter that inspires my work. So one day I photographed a family in their home and the the son I posed him near a window you know I won't go into the details but then the daughter I posed her in this Victorian chair and later I realized I had posed them exactly like my two favorite paintings of John Singer Sargent that there's one that is his most famous and it's a woman in a black dress And the young man was standing, same background color, same pose. He had his hand similar. Now, I wasn't trying to copy, but I had that inspiration Mm -hmm. that came out in a beautiful way. So um, exposing ourselves to art, (laughs) I'm guessing you you agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up because I do the same thing. And I think we can get inspiration from everywhere. You know, we can be inspired by a lot of different things. We can be inspired by art. We can be inspired by, inspired by you know, style and clothing and makeup and accessories and um, interior design and landscape design. Like yes. there's so many things around us that are artistic and beautiful and that we can be inspired by and we can bring into our own creative minds and our own creative inspiration. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the clock on the wall says that's all. (laughs) But before we go, I know that Emily has a little freebie for you. And I'd love to know how they can find your podcast and get in touch with you. So what's the, the gift that you're offering? Sure. Well, I was talking about how important it was to learn manual mode and to learn it in a simple way. So I want to make it very simple for all of you out there. So if you head over to my website, my website is Cozy Clicks. And if you go to cozyclicks.com forward slash handbook, you can download a completely free manual mode handbook to not just get you started, but really start understanding all of the components that will make manual mode easier for you so that you can take pictures that you really love and really feel confident with the camera. I guess if you want to stay in touch with me anymore, if you know if something I said today resonated with you, or, or even if you just listened and you want to say hi, I always 
love to connect with people, especially people I have not met before. So I am over on Instagram. My handle is at Cozy Clicks. You can send me a DM and that's really me over there. I, you know, I moderate my whole Instagram because I like to connect with other photographers and people. So if you listen to this episode, please just DM me and tell me, you know, hi, or I listened or something resonated with you. I really love to connect with you there. Well, thank you, Emily, so much. This is just great. And I know people are going to be just drinking this up, all the, (laughs) all the goodness. So I'm excited that Emily has invited me to be on her show. So if you subscribe to her podcast, then when I show up, you'll be like, oh, there's my friend, Lucy. <laughs> that will be fun, Lucy. I'm looking forward it to that. Will, it will. I, I'm all about uh, show me the money. So there might be some of your listeners that are like, that's great. Now, how do I make money at this? So mm-hmm. if that's a topic that you think they'd like, I'll be happy to do that. So Emily, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for being on my show. Thanks again, Lucy. And thank you all for listening. Well, I think that was an amazing conversation. And no matter where we are in our photography skills or our businesses, there's always room to learn more. And like, who doesn't need to be reminded to slow down and look <laughs> or understand light and all that. So remember, just go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, if you have any questions, if you would like a free website or price list review, I am delighted to uh, have you connect with me and I'll send you a link where we can have a quick chat about all of that. So I'm just going to do a quick little summary here. We talked about having enough equipment of the quality that is going to work for us, but that we don't really, and starting out, if you're going to be charging, and especially if you're doing it for fun, but having good basic equipment, but not needing to have the latest, greatest, biggest, most is, uh, you know, helpful. Remembering that we're a community and not a competition. So not worrying about where anyone else is in their business. I loved how she said that. She encourages us to learn the basic camera controls on manual and being intentional about what we're learning, slowing down, looking, uh, discovering light, using our own face (laughs) to Uh, figure out why is this light making me look great and why is this light not so great? And composition, she talked about moving yourself higher, lower, get closer, get farther away. And then her final thought, which I agree, is not to compare ourselves to others. We can look at work for inspiration, but if it's making us feel sad or less than, just say no. (laughs) So that's it for now. And I hope you all have just an incredible week or month or year or life, whatever is appropriate. (laughs) That's it. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.